Welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4, number 89, on a Friday. Day 4 on a Friday, because I've been driving across the country. I'm back in studio. I literally got back like five, six hours ago. Jumped in the studio, and the man, Uncle Frank Scalish, here to drop some knowledge. We can't miss a week, Frank. No, we can't. No, we can't. Actually, Although we might miss next week. I have to talk to you about that after the show. I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay, so doing day four on Friday is really confusing to my psyche. I'm just letting you know that. Why is that? Because it, thro- it throws my whole week off. Um, now I think there's another day before the weekend. Not that the weekend matters because all I do is yard work anyway on the weekend. But, um, you know, it just, it's weird, dude. It's weird. It's like, it's out of order. That's yeah, try my, to be me. I have no I, idea I what day it's been for the last month and a half, Frank. I've been in four different time zones and covered 6,000 miles over the last month. I've gone from the Chesapeake Bay to the Red River to Lake Hartwell to Upper Michigan. Now I'm back for 24 hours and then headed to uh, Texas. East Texas. Perfect. It's okay, dude. I used to do that. Remember, I never, I never knew what day of the, never knew what day it was ever, and I loved living out without a calendar. By the way, the Except only until I, you had to do responsibilities that involved a calendar after the hundred percent after the Gong Show was over. Hundred percent. When it back back in the day, okay. Um, funny story actually about traveling. When I when I was um, r- running Bassmasters. My title sponsor, uh, OSI Sealants and Adhesives, um, they ha- I, had, I had been doing a lot of things with a lot of their customers and some of their big box customers like Lowe's and Home Depot, et cetera. And, and in my entire life, okay, in my entire life, I, have, I never went to Vegas. I never wanted to go to Las Vegas. I could care less about Las Vegas. Not the people in Las Vegas, just the city itself. I'm not a, I'm not a city dweller, okay? So it was a place I never wanted to go. So, so one day we were talking about our promotional stuff, and they're like, hey, you're going to do a lot of work with Home Depot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, cool, no problem. You know what I mean? So I get back from a tournament. You know how you're you're saying you're on the road all the time and you're here mm-hmm. and there and here and there. So so I, so I'm on the road. I'm here and there. I'm I'm from state to state. Gone for a month and a half. I <clears throat> get home, turn on the computer, and there's plane tickets waiting for me because I got to fly out to Vegas the next day to meet and do things with Home Depot. Okay. I wound up going to Vegas like four or five times that year and i flip and hate the place (laughs) still you never found like a little niche that you liked yeah i mean no i i um no i uh, no so jeffries would always avoid the strip when i went there with him for Mm -hmm. icast and we've been there for the u.s open too and he would get uh he would get a hotel at like one of the nicer ones that's like kind of off the strip but caters to I guess those with a slower paced lifestyle Uh, and it would have a nice buffet there and it was always mellow. And all he cared about was as long as it, you know, had a craps table there because he doesn't gamble. Other he does. He has like his asserted hundred dollars that. Oh, I don't gamble. No, I don't gamble. I I won't gamble. I work too hard for my money to throw it in the garbage. But that's how he uh, 
that's how he uh that's how he did Vegas in the slower pace. Now in my younger days back in the twenties when we would do iCast, there are some stories of me, you know, showing up to to the airport from Dre's nightclub or waking up in a suitcase. Oh, I have I won't say that I haven't taken the red eye home and um sobered up on the flight. I mean, I won't go that far, but Yeah. Good stuff. Know. Uh we got a great show today. We've got a lot of stuff uh, to talk about. First of all, yeah. in the tournament news, uh, Frankie Jr. is currently he's currently plying the waters of Lacrosse, Wisconsin, right now, looking Correct. for what three pound three pounders. That's what he needs. He needs three pounders today. He's in thirtieth yeah. after day one, as of uh, it's Friday, uh, October fourteenth. Right. Uh, and we've got we've yeah we've got a, a solid uh, solid live on that that waited till friday here i did mention it on the shows this past week but great start for frankie in his first bfl regional as a boater yeah no kidding i'm really happy for him you know he fished well in the michigan division he's fishing well down there he just um didn't capitalize on a couple of bites but he's on them pretty good and hopefully he makes some adjustments today and and makes it to the final day but even even if he doesn't i'm really you know it's his first it's first real run at it so I, you can't complain. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got to be kind of proud of that. Like him talking. I'm yeah. sure you guys talk maybe some, I don't know how the off limits work there, but before just general tournament strategy and mentality and game plans. and Yeah, mostly strategy. Um, I've only been up to there. I've only been up there once in my life with a really good friend of mine who wins everything down there, but... We were there in the summer, and we all we did was frog them, and it was the most fun I mm-hmm. ever had throwing a frog in my life. Um, and it was just for I was as actually passing through, and it was just for two days. And I had a bruise on my rib cage the size of a softball from sticking them with the frog rod, you know, going, Ugh. and um, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, so Frankie and I we talked a lot about strategy, um, you know told them don't worry about trying to save fish just beat them up because the, you got to make the final day so just beat them up every day fish every day like it's a one-day event and let the cards fall where they fall you, um you know yeah. you hit a nerve i hit Frank. a nerve clay clay's not afraid to post his opinion he said tournament fishing is gambling <laughs> I'm the biggest. Uh, I have a. Ga- I Bo have a- says I love when tournament anglers say I don't gamble. <laughs> and then John says gambling is going to the Home Depot and throwing your money. You can't spend some money at the Home Depot. Although oh, dude, you typically get to see the results of it. Don't ever try to buy mulch there. That's a there or no. or like mulch or rock. You just no. have to triple what you think. It's like the never-ending, oh, I only need a couple bags of that now. Three oh, yeah, trips no, later, yeah. you're like, I should have just had a pallet delivered. That's correct. That is correct. Yes. Do you think it I is guess, gambling? Bass fishing? Yeah. Yeah, it's the most addictive gambling thing there is, and I am I am an addict. <laughs> Even Team Jesus Outdoors. My thoughts exactly, Clay. Yes. Okay, guys, fans, whoa, I apologize. I am I am an addict. <laughs> the first thing is admitting you have a problem. If you if you come down and see if you come down and see my tackle room, you'll be like, oh, he has a problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh anyway. but just as far as the dice and cards and 
slot machines avoid those at all costs. Yes, I don't. I, I don't. Th- I don't do that. I don't do that kind of game. Yeah, we have not had a show since uh, the walleye guys were caught cheating oh, rocks at Lake Erie. How far away was that from where you are? Where they that went down? Four point two miles. Four point two miles from you, where that went down. Um, th- that's been talked about ad nauseum. I don't know if you want to mention that at all. Like, what is the scene up there? Is it all anybody in the fishing industry is talking about? I think they just got arrested. I know their boat got confiscated or charged confiscated or whatever. Boats. They confiscated the boats, the truck, one truck, one boat. Um, they are being prosecuted, um, and they should be prosecuted. Uh, you know, the, the reality of it is this, okay. My, the day it happened, my phone blew up. Yeah. Um, my DMS went out of control. My phone blew up. Um, I couldn't, I quit answering the phone during the day. <laughs> Peter Lung says, hi, my name is uncle Frank and I have issues. Sorry. I need to not post funny things until you're done. With That's the story. fantastic. And Peter, I didn't forget you by the way, just FYI, but, um, so I quit answering the phone because I got I, I most of the calls that were irritating to me were were the people that don't fish at all, but that no, but that no, I do. Yeah, they're just trying to be helpful, Uncle Frank. Right, but they're but they're like, were you in it? Was your son in it? Did you guys know those people? You know what I mean? It's just, and so I I just quit answering the phone, but I did respond to a couple of um a couple of. Things that I had to respond to. I think it's blatantly BS. They should be completely prosecuted to the nth degree because in the tournament fishing world, we do everything to prove to the, to this country that this is a legitimate sport, that it's a, it's a great sport. And the fact that two morons, okay, ascertained more publicity than the guys that do great things for this sport pisses me off to no end because if they paid this much attention to the sport in the beginning, the sport would be a lot farther than it is today. And it really irritates me that, 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 that those guys are famous for doing something infamous. Nasty. They're infamous, infamous, infamous for doing something nasty. They should be totally prosecuted. 100 percent and made a complete example of i agree uh so other regional events guys have been caught cheating obviously the robbie rose deal in in uh texas some other stuff that's been going on there's a guy uh was it uh mike harden in the u.s open way back a couple like a decade ago um but here's the thing i think it went viral just because of how the tournament director we got weights at fish with the fist pump and then the mob that came down on him and how he stood there and took like i mean if that had been handled behind the scenes i think it would have been a blip on it, message it boards been. and it would not have gone viral at all this is what made it go viral yeah i wish i had my every everybody <laughs> yours is taking pictures of underwater stuff yeah now. 22 foot and six and 20 creek that's right. That's you're taking pictures of some fish swimming by, but um, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's got a cell phone camera. Everybody had video on it. It was it was plastered all over the social media platform, literally while it was going down. Yeah. Um, I watched one live that was a tail end, and then the first one I watched it was 14 minutes old. Oh yeah, dude. That was when that was when every. That's when I thought they were going to lynch the dude. 
Well, here, how about this? Since we're talking about it, how about this? The one guy stands there and takes his ass kicked. Yeah, where was the other dude? I'd be calling my he partner ran to over his say, truck and locked the truck. That's weak. Amen, brother. I will I, say I, one thing, and I don't know whether it was because he was in shock, whether he was indifferent, whether he was like, you caught me and I deserve everything I'm getting. But if there is any, the fact that he stood there and just took it and didn't have a face and didn't try to do, uh, if there is anything ever, though, any redeeming quality out of anything that happened, that is the only shred of dignity that is remaining that the guy stood there and took it like that. Do you agree? I'm now, I've just, talked to people who are like, dude, he was just in total shock. He was probably completely in 1,000% disbelief. But you have to be moronic to do that. Because here, listen to this. We all fish. Everybody watching this fishes. You fish. I fish. We've caught thousands and thousands of bass, right? So when you catch a bass or your buddy catches a bass, you could look at it and pretty much within two or three ounces say that how much that fish weighs and probably not be off by a couple of ounces. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you, so the walleye game is no damn different. It's no different when a guy catches a, you know, 26 inch walleye or a 25, they know exactly how much that fish should weigh. To within ounces. So here these dudes weigh in fish, and they're a pound and a half, two pounds heavier than they should be. Okay? Theoretically, than they should be. It's not, it's not, I mean, they brought the, they brought the attention on themselves because they mm -hmm. got really, really greedy. Okay? And that's the thing. You know for a fact this wasn't the first time they did this because you don't cut fish fillets and wrap the lead weights in the fish fillets so they don't bulge around on the belly unless yeah. you've done it before. Not only that, I, I heard they actually shoved a pair of pliers down one of them. There's <laughs> a pair of pliers in one of them. So what did they run out of shit to fill them with? So, uh, hey, here's a can. Crush and the were they catching the fish? Were they catching smaller ones, filleting them, and then wrapping the fillet and the weight on the boat? That's illegal. Oh, absolutely. Who knows? Hypothetically. We don't know exactly what went on. But it was there were right. some well, I mean, I'm illegal shenanigans that went Right. On. I'm surrising by what I've read that they, well, there were fish fillets in them. Yeah. There's no, there were, they were. So they did catch little fish and fillet them and shove them inside him that's a but, it's yeah. a wild world that we live in yeah it's just it's stupid it's and then in other news i uh, i get into the <laughs> studio obviously so i will try to do a show i have no idea what's going on uh a very very happy uh obviously the u.s open going through a lot of changes with the water level low we're kind of doing a btl day four combo here uncle frank you cool with that today whatever man it's just what been the? yeah uh but uh josh bertrand 75k and the uh bass cap boat there at the u.s open on mojave uh that Dude, changed from lake mouth. mead yeah he caught the the heck out of them they had great weather and then uh continuing his streak is incredible year spencer shuffield also had a good derby there too but uh josh bertrand gets the u.s open win on mojave Perfect. is that something you've ever had an interest in fishing yeah, yes, for ego's sake. Um, 
and for the fact that I've never been on those lakes before. Um, I really want to. I love going to places I've never been. Uh, to me, that's the most exciting part about fishing. You get to figure out a new body of water. But I was really amazed at the smallmouth they caught mm-hmm. there. Good that stuff. Was- and then even in more bad news, and this isn't tournament, but it's competitive. Alaska snow crab season canceled after an estimated 1 billion crabs disappeared. 90% they cannot find them. They do not know where they went, and they have canceled the snow crab season. How, how do you lose a billion crab? A billion with a B. Billion with a B. Putin took them. <laughs> An F- an estimated $200 million in revenue, an estimated 1 billion crabs has mysteriously disappeared in two years, state officials says. It marks a 90% plunge in their population. That's bad um, news. That's bad yeah. news. Um, uh, what's deadliest catch going to do? <laughs> They're going to have to fish for lingcod. <laughs> cod, the cod fish. I don't know. Uh, it says disease is one possibility. Climate change might be another. But it reminded me, I was talking to it, I said, with Jason Shakurit, uh back up at the at the at uh, at a writer's conference, a Striking Lose writer's conference I was just at, and he, I was talking to him about Lake Erie. And it, it was like just, you know, I remember seeing those roving schools miles long from helicopters of, oh, you of walleye. Yeah, you... But then I also remember how like there's dead zones out on Erie too. And like over the yeah. past, the past four or five decades, there's been massive fluctuations of, Oh my gosh, every walleye's dead in Lake Erie or, Oh my gosh, they're migrating or now there's a boom in them. It's interesting yeah. what happens on massive bodies of water. Yeah. There's the, the uh, ecosystem on giant bodies of water is, is kind of amazing really. I mean, we watched, Back when I was younger, the smallmouth population in Lake Erie was so great um, that you didn't even have to know how to catch them. You just needed to know what depth to go to. And you, and that's where that's where the drift and drag, the Lake Erie drift and drag technique came. You just get out there with a west wind, throw a drift sock, and drift five miles and catch 100 bass and easily. Easily. Just get in the right depth range, throw a drift sock out, drag a tube and eat a sandwich and you catch 100 fish. Um, Those days are over on the lake. Uh, The lake's still a great smallmouth fishery. It's probably still the best smallmouth fishery in the world. But the problem is, is that those that population of smallmouth is much smaller than it used to be, Um, where the walleye population has just boomed. It has just exploded and see and before and way back in the day we had a thing called a blue pike which was a walleye but it was a blue blue walleye um didn't get as big as normal walleye it was called a blue pike and they were as plentiful as the walleye are today in the lake and then they got overfished by like mad and then something happened probably pollution back then wiped out the entire population and to my knowledge there's not a blue pike in existence today never even heard of this yeah they got they got a couple of them frozen um but they're what was it called blue blue pike look at lake erie blue pike it's actually a walleye it's not a pike well they're all in the pickerel family but whatever Oh, yeah, it is. It does have a blue tint to it. Why the coveted blue pike disappeared from our waters. Here, throw it up so the fans can see it, the guys watching can see it. Can you do that? Yeah, give me a second. Am I taxing you too much on no sleep? 
No, I'm good. I got four hours last night. <laughs> Open image and new tab. That's perfect. Is. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, stuff happens. With those crabs, I'm going to almost bet and go out on a limb that it was a disease. Or they moved. They moved, like, far from where they go. You know what? Maybe happened. it is a lack of sleep because I totally forgot how to share a screen. <laughs> You guys, we have stooped to a whole new level on day four. That's because it's day four on day five. Well, while Matt's looking for that, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys go. Don't forget to go on LureNet. The bundle packages are still twenty percent off all bundles on LureNet, which is a great buy because it's way less than retail. So it's a really good, good, good buy. And then um, for for the uh, custom painters out there, don't forget the DIY section. Get your get your blanks, get your body blanks, so you could start painting. Winter's on the way. You guys are going to be locked in pretty soon, and uh, it's good to paint. There it is. I can't believe, like, literally, I had to like relearn that. That and how'd it go it's for you? Good. There it is. There's the blue. <laughs> there's the blue pike. Isn't that cool? That is absolutely cool. And they were plentiful. There was a technique these guys used to do to fish them off the bank. They would take an inner tube and, and they, would, they would bungee cord a, a piece of plywood on the inner tube, put a lantern on it, and then push it offshore, push the lantern out, you know, a cast away from where they were at. And then... At, at night, the lantern shines the light, all the bait fish come in, and all the blue pike would come around, and they would cast to the lantern and catch blue pike all night long. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty uh, cool. I got a reason on why here, but there's a video somewhere in this. Wow, we're that... going deep in the blue pike world here. No, it's considered extinct. It is. They, they're wiped out. There's none left. They said They said there was some in a lake in Canada, but that's hearsay. That's not that's not factual. Oh my gosh. It was typically a pound and a half to three pounds. Yeah, perfect eaters, man. Anything over five was a walleye. Blue pike's eyes are larger than a walleye. That's cool. Huh. That means they could see in the dark really well. Predominantly night feeders. Extinct species. Mm-hmm. And we had them right here in my backyard. That's scary. And I never caught one. I never knew about them. All right. Uh, like I said, you talked a little bit about it. We are going to get into the uh, into the uh, paint shop. Uh, yeah. And then kind of in honor of, I mean, you told me, this isn't giving anything away. You told me Frankie was locking, trying to get a little bit away from the pressure. And I right. wanted to get your thoughts on, on getting away from other anglers, potentially. Whether that's in a kayak or launching somewhere else or making a long run and maybe some tips and tactics for what you let's, look for when yeah, you're getting away. Go, let's go there. Let's go okay. there. That's a good thing. Okay. But I did want to mention, first of all, um, there was a comment earlier and, uh, we haven't had a show since Hartwell and, uh, you know, we did a lot of blueback herring stuff, uh, on the show and a lot of the movement of the blueback herring. And you've talked a lot about Hartwell and Norman and where the, the, how the spotted bass and the largemouth relate to it. And Kyle Davis said, Hey Matt, I was fishing near you on Saturday at Hartwell during my kayak tournament. Good job on a top 10. I got fourth. Kyle, hopefully I didn't pull up 
very close to you because I don't remember seeing any kayaks out there. I was pretty dialed in. <laughs> They're hard to see. <laughs> I did. Well, well, I did start on, on the final day and I finished ninth. I was like, man, I'm going to be able to hit all the community holes and then they're going to be reloaded. Like the fish are going to be set up. They're not going to be spread out. There's right. no one else on the lake. Apparently there was like a 10 boat club championship because I got a, I had, I had a money spot and I knew I could catch some right off the bat on it. I had a good boat draw the first day. I call like a 268 and a three pounder off of it. So tell my cameraman, Hey, we're going to stop here, fish for 20 minutes. As I get closer, I'm like, is that a, that a boat on it and i mean it's like dark like i don't know and i roll up and there's i mean old timers in like a <laughs> ranger what is it like a 375r like an 18 and a half foot ranger they're both in sit down seats and they both have on ranger jackets and the pointy hats with the uh with the band you know the band around yeah. the hat that's how close it was to it I thought so you I had were gonna a, say jumpsuits. <laughs> and literally out of everywhere on the entire lake, they are on where I want to be to start the final day of the Bassmaster Open. And I didn't know what to do. And I said, dude, I said, I'm still fishing here. So I put it down, put my trolling motor down, and I try to figure out where they're going. And they went into full on attack mode. Excellent. Not verbally, but they both started slinging half ounce chrome rattle traps at me with intent. Perfect. And they caught two or three there, and I'm like, really? Out of this whole thing? So then I, like, go behind them. They swivel. Chrome rattle traps. Choo, 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 choo. I mean, everywhere <laughs> I went. And I just looked at my cameraman, and I said, I was looking down at my forward-facing sonar, and I go, well, they've pulled every single fish off of this point directly under their boat. I said, look at this. And I had it way out. I was pretty close to them. And, and all the fish were behind And them? all the fish were underneath their boat. Because oh. <laughs> as they had been casting to me, they were they're bringing it. and they're bringing all the different schools. And so I just bounced after that. I wasn't did you go oh. back later and fish it. I did. I mean, I fished it like two or three times during it. But I was like, what are the freaking odds of that? Well, that out of happens. every single point. But uh, anyway, I say that to say this: uh, a lot of your. Uh, a lot of your tips and tactics uh, when I go back, went back to the Blueback show, which I listened to on the way down there. Uh, you were talking about key areas that would include pelagics or, or open water fish that were chasing bait fish when they merged with resident fish and creek mouths later in the year that live there and that that intersection are high percentage, percentage areas. And I would say out of my top 20 best spots, 15 of those were what you described to a T. I ver- verbally, visually remember thinking, okay, there's the cane, there's the brush pile that those resident fish are living on. Now the ones that were active had bait balls that were up on top and bigger fish that were sometimes there and sometimes not. That's why you had to hit 100 places. Right. But right. they were, the bigger ones were in twos and threes that were up in 25 foot of water away adjacent to but not living on the cover that the school of the pound and a half and two pounders were living on the end it was exactly with the time of the year the migration the bait fish exactly the way you have described it on on uh, btl day four before so uh hats off to you uncle frank love it love it it's so good it's it's so nice when it comes to fruition um you know we talk about a lot of stuff on the show all the time and and you know how fishing is i mean bass will make a liar out of you in a minute and they can because you know they just survive 
but um, when things work out the way they're supposed to, it's really, it's really nice. It's nice to see a lot of guys DM me with the success they had. I love hearing the success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just the whole thing, this whole, this whole format is fantastic because we cover a lot of things throughout the course of time. And um, some of it's funny. A lot of it's educational and, and, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's yeah. a good show. Now, really I is. will say sometimes you get criticized for always smashing them or catching yeah, them wow. or obliterating them. And to that, I say, that is why you have 89 episodes of BTL Day 4 with Frank yeah. Scalish and work full-time in the industry for a very prominent manufacturer designing and painting baits. Yeah, you freaking catch them when you go out most of the time, Frank. And yeah. those three people... Get the hell over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know what? So, I, I, you know what? That's since you brought it up. So I'm going to say I'll say something. You know, I, there there's times when I do go out and for a while I'm not catching any. Those are good stories. Who wants to hear those stories? Right. But but I'm I'm trying to dial in on something. And so. So I'm working through some issues like I like I was on a lake a couple weeks ago that I hadn't been on in a very, very long time. And I had gone out there and got on some offshore stuff near offshore because because it's obviously fall now. So everything's coming to the bank mm-hmm. near offshore stuff and literally started plastering them. And so I said, holy smokes. We, I, I can get a good, good show, good show here. So I, I, I leave, I call my cameraman. I'm like, Joe, dude, we got to go tomorrow. It's happening. I, I, they're, they're almost on the bank. They're like 30 yards from the bank and I'm finding where they're staging up to start shooting in. It's going to be a good show. So he goes, I can't do it tomorrow. Next day. I said, next day we're on. Well, the next day, we have 28 mile an hour sustained winds, sleet and rain. It's miserable. So I go to the first spot and I realize things are different because when you know how Matt, you you have forward facing. I don't. I mm. have to I have to 2D it or side image it. So I go to the first place and I don't see this fish that I saw suspending on this little ridge. So I I I do a timeout. I'm going to change the change how the show is going to go. And basically what I did was because a lot of guys only have one weekend day they can fish or some guys fish for four hours after work. So I changed the premise of the show to, to, to do a quick, here's how we're going to do a quick practice to get on fish as fast as we can. Once we get on the fish, we'll figure out if there's a better way to catch big ones or not. Okay. So what happens is I go out there, the offshore stuff, I'm, I don't catch them. I throw the Carolina rig. I throw the uh, next-gen bomber 6As and 7As, which is what I was catching them on two days earlier. It's Nothing's working. Um, I still am seeing bait fish, but there is no bass, no bass. So the storm comes in. We start getting buckets of rain going sideways because it's 20 plus Mm -hmm. mile an hour winds so we throw the camera gear on in cover 
I beach the boat underneath a big tree. We're trying to keep as much dry uh, camera gear as we can. It slows down. I go back out, not catch them. So we do time lapse where I pick up a crankbait, throw it, pick up the Carolina rig, throw it. And it's showing, it's showing that I'm like Benny Hillen, you know, working around the structure and then and not catching them. So I slide into the bank. Now you got to realize this is real time. This is absolute real time. Slide up to the bank, pick up a Norman fat boy. First blowdown I throw on, I catch one first cast, first blowdown. Not a big one, about a two pounder, maybe a pound and a halfer. Not a big bass. But I turn to the camera and I go, now I got something to go on. Now I got to figure out this bank bite. How am I going to be able to upgrade or can I even upgrade? Is it all small fish or what? So I wind up going to a different section of the lake that offered me a little more of what I was looking for. Well, before I went to the other section of the lake, I fished down the stretch where I caught the the small bass, mm-hmm. caught a couple more small bass, went around the corner. There was a bunch of lumber in the water around the corner, and I noticed off off of the blowdowns, like in between blowdowns i saw a dark object in the water probably five feet off the bank so i i roll a cast out there i hit the hit the piece of wood with the fat boy boom catch a four and a half pounder immediately say i think i figured out how to catch bigger fish we're gonna go test this hypothesis so i go to a different section of the lake that offered me more of what i wanted to find and I'm catching them, like, like I don't want to say nonstop, but very predictably, but they're all little. They're all small bass. So the, the storm comes back in. We got to go take cover again. So we take cover. So we're doing this on and off, and the day's running out because we're, we're taking cover as much as I'm trying to film, and we're taking cover. And I said, we got one last-ditch effort before it gets dark, but I got I have a place that I know where it's deeper off the bank, and there's a lot of extraneous wood not, not leaning onto the bank. Let's run there. So I run over there. We get there. There's shad everywhere. I'm like, sweet, this is going to play storm comes back in i'm like holy smoke so we go back take cover get everything we gotta wait and it's and i mean it's like you know how you can't hardly see 10 feet in front of the boat kind of stuff yeah one of those where you're like i'd rather be anywhere but in the boat right now right exactly so it (laughs) it 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 goes i go out there i say this tree's in the water but off this tree i can see dark spots in the water that aren't part of this tree or they were at one Mm -hmm. time but they're out there throw a cast out there i get one over five on it and close and close the show with the with one over five so what happened through the course of the day was we got i could catch i could catch 50 of them just going down and just traditionally square billing None of them would be giant fish. The, probably the biggest one doing that was maybe two pounds. But when I keyed on the stuff that was set away from everything, I would catch a big one. And so I just showed in this very small, you know, three and a half, four minute video, 
how you can pick apart a pattern to figure out how to catch a better quality bass in it. Um, and it was cool. It was really a cool uh, video. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's just keep, it's just, sometimes it's not fishing. Sometimes it's not complicated. Mm -hmm. um, target casting with a spinner bait or a square bill, or, you know, anytime you're target casting, the act of casting and catching a bass is not difficult. The part that you got to put together is how, how am I going to do this and actually catch a better quality bass? So by targeting this stuff off, I didn't catch as many, not even close to as many, but my limit was getting to be big. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. big. And so that's how people it like watching you catch. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, yes, for the most part, I go out and I catch fish for the most part. Um, sometimes it's tricky and I got to try to figure it out and it takes a little while. It's not launch your boat, make your first stop and you're catching a hundred bass. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes that happens Love mostly that. in the summer for me, because I'm kind of dialed in in the summer and in the winter. So. That's what happened on Hartwell. I put it in first day of practice. It was Sunday morning. I dropped it. I literally went to the first point off an island, dropped a drop shot down and it went, don't. And I said, that's why I, <laughs> that's why I love this lake. Right. I swear. And I swear to God. And you know, what's crazy too, is think about this and everybody and everybody listening, you love to fish. Mm -hmm. That's why you listen. That's why you do what you do. You love to fish, right? Every single time I catch a bass or anything I'm fishing for, whether it's a muskie, a steelhead, whatever, every time I hook one, it's as exciting to me as the first time I ever caught a fish. I, it never, that's, that's the gambling story. addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my first day partner, I'd, I'd, I'd known him. His name's Jonathan. Good dude. Uh, we both date barrel racers and played hockey, so we both have a little bit of a self-hate side apparently but uh <laughs> i'm staying so far away from that dude <laughs> so he I, I i the first morning um and i've been a little run down this year it's been no no secret right you know and i was just coming well, yeah, off of yeah. chesapeake bay and the uh, red river where it was a tough bite right right and uh i i hook a four pounder and I'm I'm in the junk. It was like the only fish I caught out of a pile. So he gets stuck in the pile, nine pound test, which was another smart move I thought to go to nine instead of seven or eight, like most guys were throwing. I sacrificed some bites, yeah. but I landed a lot more. Anyway, so I hook him in a pile. I realize this is a big fish, and now he's stuck in the pile. Hearts racing, like second fish of the morning, day one. And I know it's one of the big ones because it's it's not. Oh yeah, comes out of the pile, and you know those four pound spots. They kind of go where they want to. And I know from my, how this place lays out, there's deep timber that comes up and then there's a pile and there's cane next to the pile. It's got everything it needs. So he comes out, bounces around the pile. I said, I got him out of the pile. And he goes, boom, now he's stuck in the cane. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, crap, now he's stuck in the cane. And I feel him bouncing around in the cane. And I said, holy cow, I got him out of the cane. And then he comes by the boat and goes, now he's stuck in the deep timber. So... <laughs> So he literally pinball machines from brush pile where I hook him to cane 30 feet to the right, swims past the boat, peels drag, and is now stuck 15 foot down on the 
one tree that comes up on the point. And That's it's fantastic. sawing. And then he comes free, and I land him. And oh, I didn't sweet. even realize this. And I'm like, yes, blah, blah, blah. And Jonathan goes, uh, he goes, you know how I know you'll never be able to uh, quit tournament fishing in the near future? And he goes, you're shaking. And I said, oh, oh, yeah. I guess I am. And he goes, that uh, adrenaline rush? He goes, that's a drug for you right now. He goes, when that stops happening, he goes, then you'll stop fishing. He goes, no, but as doesn't. long as that happens, he goes, well, I'm, for some guys, I think it does. I think that's when well, they realize yeah. they're done. They're over. It hasn't happened for us. He said, it's, but it, it, it was interesting, though. He's like, the way you're vibrating, like right now, like that energy, he goes, that is addictive to you. He oh, goes, and you'll never, and that, that literally says it right after I catches it. And he goes, you'll never stop. Cause I, like I said, I kind of knew him and I was like, man, it's been a really tough year. Um, I haven't really enjoyed the last couple derbies. And then that happens. Um, and I wasn't like complaining. Like I said, I knew the guy. It wasn't like I was Dr. Phil right. and a stranger. Um, <laughs> and he Dr. said, that's, <laughs> what? He said, that's why you'll always be like right now. He said, you're still in it because of that reaction. Oh, dude, I'm amped up right now. Just talking about it. I really am. Um, You know, the funny thing, the funny thing is the last episode we did, didn't we talk about fishing for other species? Yeah, 100%. Okay. So, so after that, after that um, episode, I'm like, you know what? I got to go. I got to go catch some muskies. I got to go musky fishing. So I have I have, a, I have a, a friend of mine that I met because he's best friends with my sister's husband. And um, he and I know he travels all over Canada fishing for pike and everything else. So a, a cup right before COVID, I gave him um, I gave him a Powell and a and I um uh arc and taught him how to use a bait caster because he didn't know how to use a bait caster and i and i told him that his fishing will improve if he can use a bait caster because of the species of fish he's going after he, he can he, he'll be more versatile having you know the use of a bait caster and or spinning gear combined so anyhow i decided i would call him up and um and take him so I said, you want to go musky fishing? He goes, yeah. So I go, all right, let's go tomorrow. He goes, okay. So I, <laughs> I take him out and I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to mention his name. So I say, Hey, um, just bring your, just bring the, just bring the rod and reel I gave you. That'll be fine. Cause I, I put 17 pound fluoro on it and all we're going to be doing is throwing square bills anyway. So just, just bring that, that rod will be fine. So he, I meet him in the morning and I'm like, dude, what do you got? And he's got this big giant box with him. And I go, dude, what, what do you got? You know, he goes, Oh, I brought, I got, there's plates in there. There's, uh, you know, utensils, condiments, all kinds of lunch meats and everything else. And I'm like, man, I don't have room for this in the boat. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this big yeah. giant deli box. So anyway, the long and short of it is, so I go through the box, I pull out, you know, just a couple packs of lunch meat. Anyway, long, we go and I say, look, I got a spinning rod. I can put 20 pound braid on it in two seconds. I got a spool. It'll be easier for you because you haven't cast this thing since I gave it to you two years ago. <laughs> oh no. He goes, I'll, I'll know how. I'm like, okay. So 
I had to give him mine because he didn't bring his rod and reel. So I gave him one of my Powell 725s. And I start twitching when other people are using my stuff. So I'm like, here, just use it, abuse it, do what you got to do. So right off the rip, he makes a cast and it goes and it's a good cast. But I noticed he never used his thumb. Mm-hmm. And I watched at the end of his cast, the reel just go, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, so I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. I go, I go. And I can't say his name. So I go, I go, dude, <laughs> give me that. And so I peel everything out. I rewind it up for him. I go, remember the thumb, the thumb, remember the thumb. So long and short of the day is he would not put the bait caster down would not let me get the spinning rod out for him. So I admired his fortitude, but this was what I saw the whole day uh, when I was fishing with him. Ready? This is what I saw. I saw the back of him like this. With his head down, pulling out back. Pulling out line. The whole day, that's what I saw. Give him an A for an effort. Right. So 100%. So so finally, I I had to re-spool the reel because the loops in his line all broke. So I looked at the reel and I see all these little tag lines sticking out. And I'm like, if you hook a muskie, dude, done, you're done. Oh, so, so he was breaking it deep in the reel and just yeah, still yeah. rolling with it. Right. So I pull okay. all the stuff out. I respool it. This time I go, mm. I got my electrical tape out. I made a cast. I put the electrical tape, wrapped it all the way around the spool and then reeled in so he could just throw it to the electrical tape. You know what I mean? And not backlash. Yep. So the long and short of it is I'm like noticing a bass pattern happening. Okay. And I'm like, Oh my God, if we were bass fishing, we, we would catch a hundred of them today. I, it's too, it's, it's good. It's going to be so, it would be so easy. And, um, I said, but we're musky fishing. So I'm not going to pull any more tackle. We're just going to have the one rod a piece out. So I cast out, I get a bass. I'm like, man, I reel it in. I go, oh, it's a bass. I let it go. Cast it. Boom. I get another bass. Not giant bass. Li- little dudes, you know, mm-hmm. pound and a halfers. Boom. I get another one. I'm like, man, bass, bass, bass. And I go, God. I said, if I if we could put buzz baits on and frogs and fish, because the lake's on drawdown, and fish all these flat points with grass on them, we will murder the bass. Going to stay with the muskies. I make a cast. I got one. I go like that, and it, I get do do do. I go, oh man, that's a good bass. I tell him that's a good bass. All of a sudden, dude, it was like someone took a switch and went, dink. That thing goes. I go. I got a good musky, and so I'm thumbing him. I use my thumb as mm-hmm. a drag, and I'm thumbing him, and he's going and he's going, and he comes out of all the debris and he goes out into the open, and I'm like, I got him now, man, and I start putting some of the brakes on. This musky comes flying out of the water, dude. I was like, oh crap, that's a good one. So I finally land a thing. It's about a 25, 26 pounder. I finally land a thing that 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 muskie was so wide. I should have tipped them sideways. That's it, isn't it? That's yeah, musky right I, I should have tipped them sideways so you could see the girth, the, the the width of this thing. So you see the scar on his mouth over there. Yeah. Okay. So so he, I got him in the net. I got the the crankbait out of his mouth. Okay. 
and he's he's funky. He's like rolling. He's rolling funky, and I can't grab him. I want to grab him by the by the jaw underneath the jaw and mm-hmm. the tail so I can get a picture of him. So he's funky. So I take my hand and I go. I grab him on the side of the head where there's no scales, teeth, or anything sharp, and I'm yep. just rolling him over so I can take this hand and get him underneath the jaw. Okay. Something lights me up. I don't know what it is. It goes right in my thumb. I noticed then that there somebody had broke him off. Probably a bass guy had broke him off because there's a giant gaff of a hook sticking out where that scar is on his really? jaw. Goes right in my thumb. Well, when it, as it goes in my thumb, I pull a little because it hurt. I pulled a little. The fish goes ape crap. Is it past the bar? Oh, it's in me, dude. Oh, it's, it's in me and out the other side. You've got an old hook stuck in your thumb attached to a muskie? Dude, the muskie starts going crazy in the net and literally tears the hook out of my thumb. Okay? Oh, literally Uncle tears Frank. the hook out of my thumb. So I, I'm like, whoa, that hurt. I don't know what got <laughs> me. You know what I mean? I don't know what got me. You just me. got stung by a bee yeah. as far as you're concerned. As far as I'm concerned. So I grabbed the, finally grabbed the fish. I got him. I tell, tell the guy, take some pictures and I'm holding the fish up. And I look down on the, my deck of my boat and it looks like I just filleted a walleye on the deck of my boat. Blue walleye. Yeah, blue pike. And so I'm like, there's no way this fish is bleeding this bad because my crankbait was literally right in the snoot of his mouth. And there, and there was no, there's no blood from the, it's me. Okay. It's me. So I take a couple pictures. I let the fish go. I cut a towel and a strip, wrap it around my thumb, tape it on my thumb. And my buddy's like, dude, do you want to go home? I go, no i said we're just starting to catch them now (laughs) so so about 16 or 17 bass later and another muskie later um i just looked at him and he was just so he had such a tough day um i wish he would have just taken the spinning reel because he would have probably caught some he had two 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 muskies follow him in and he got really that's a good day that's what musky anglers call a banner day Right. So he had two follow. And I said, now you got to pay attention when the fish follows you in because you, you have to figure eight in front of them and you got to pull that crankbait around like a madman. You have to make them want to eat it. Well, the first one that he had come in on him was a pretty good one. And he stopped, he stopped reeling completely. And the, the square bills floating up and the muskie goes, and takes some feels away. And I'm like, Oh dude, you were one second from locking up with that fish, you know, but it was, it was, you know, for me, it was a good day. I, I was catching fish like crazy. Um, it was a good day, but, um, but I, but I will admire his fortitude. That dude wanted to learn how to cast that rod and he would not put it down. I tried to learn on a Browning Vectra in the late, in the mid to late 1990s. Wow. Let me tell you what, if you can cast a Browning Vectra from 1997 without backlash in it, you will never have an issue with the bait caster right. again in your uh, life. Dude, right? That's like the old Ambassador 4500. <laughs> it's like I a just, saltwater reel. <laughs> I remember I would go down to Rock Springs Pond 
And I would have to call my dad to come pick me up because I couldn't fish anymore. I'd have that thing so freaking knotted up. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You, uh, you, I do have an update on the run? blue walleye subspecies, the blue pike. I did Ooh, find an article. It's pretty out. interesting. And uh, it's partially true, yes, overfishing and, and things like that. But it said it was only found in Lake Erie. But they were able to maintain isolation from the yellow walleye, which is a standard walleye, because they typically spawn in different areas and live deeper and were very school-oriented with each other. So they were able to kind of maintain that subspecies. They share the... But they... uh fish and subspecies they share the same basin will always come in contact with each other the blue walleye tended to school together for spawning they headed to the western basin just as many central basin dwelling yellow walleyes and whitefish as the blue walleyes diminished in number from over harvesting and poor water quality it became more difficult to find mates of the same species so they began began hybridizing with the yellow walleyes producing a color phase known as the gray pike or mules Wow. And then for the short time, it said gray pike outnumbered blue pike in commercial catches. Then the grays disappeared because of further crossbreeding, and the remaining blue pike traits were absorbed by the now dominant yellow walleye population. So it says the b- blue pike weren't necessarily wiped out, but their numbers were sufficiently depressed and then soaked up by the yellow walleyes. Cool. Makes sense. Good get on the article. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Let's get into the paint shop. There's some stuff yeah. that's going on on the paint shop now, some cool colors, uh, some new stuff that's out there. Like I said, a uh, kind of a hodgepodge of a show today, uh, but we're getting back in the swing of things as we approach show 100 in just 10 short weeks. Yeah, so there's like there's a color in on the paint shop, the Deep Little N in um, olive blue. That was a color I painted a while ago. Um, it's a really good, actually, I love that color, uh, especially for early season smallmouth. Um, they just have a, they have an affinity towards that color. Um, I've caught a lot of good smallies on it. It's a good largemouth color when this, when you're not fishing for smallmouth, obviously you'll catch largemouth on it too, but it's olive blue. It's got like a, a olive back, pearly, pearly olive shoulders, blue pearl sides and of course it's got the quintessential gut bag that i like to paint on them um fantastic bait they got a new release out called the um bluegill bandit which actually is pretty cool um it's a pretty cool color uh check that out and then on the super spook i know a lot of guys uh below the mason dixon line that's the uh that's the the um bluegill Bluegill Bandit. bandit That's actually a pretty slick color right there. That is um, kind of pretty. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a pretty cool color. Uh, so check that one out. Go go, go to, you know what? Go to the Super Spook in Superman. That's a, that. I didn't even see that bait until the other day. Now, a lot of guys, a lot of guys below the Mason Dixon line will throw this, the big three hook Super Spook. Um, up north, we'll, we'll, I throw that super spook, but a lot of guys will go to the regular Zara spook up here, but that's a, that is a really sweet color. That color Mm -hmm. right there is really cool. It kind of has like a 1980s club vibe to it. I don't know why. (laughs) Do you know what I mean though? With like kind of the pink and then the splatter back and the clear, the disco. Yeah. Like just this passage, (laughs) kind of like then. 
but yeah, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a really slick color. Um, so keep, and, and Hey, keep, keep looking at the paint shop because I, I've got a lot of colors coming up. Um, I don't have the exact dates of the releases. So keep looking because I, t- I painted a lot of stuff for that. What's your favorite paint color shop. that you've ever done for the paint shop? Wow. That's hard to say because did you do dirty PB and J? I did not do dirty PB and J, but I, I liked that one. a lot. I did all the Norman colors. Um, and I like them all. Actually, I catch fish on all of them. Um, and I have new Norman colors coming out and some new crawdad patterns coming out, which okay. so could stay could tuned for that. My favorite. Yeah. So keep an eye on the paint shop. Don't don't forget the DIY section. Winter's coming up. You guys are going to be holed up, especially up north. You're going to get holed up once the ice comes and you need something to do. Um, you know, you can paint. Yeah. Painting lures is, is a lot still of Still have uh, the Canary is still out. The only one that is not sold out in the Canary color. Uh, is the, the NXS. Boy, yes, the NXS is not sold out. But as right. far as the rest of them, the Canary color sold out on all of them. Yeah, that that canary color is very special, guys. That is one smoking color. We literally that that color sold out within two weeks, out of everything but the NXS, and probably because a lot of people didn't understand um, the value of that hard diving NXS. It's the only lure that Norman offers that's a true hard fast diving crankbait it gets right down to the business um and there's a time and a place for you know a fast diving crankbait so um you know check it out it's worth it it's really worth it good stuff what else you got frank uh oh i did mention on that you did mention that before but i didn't uh wanted you to re-mention then uh that musky that you caught on the rod your deal there had the code if you want to check out a oh yeah 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 so so when i must side note yeah when, sorry about that so when i musky fish i don't i don't own musky lures um i don't bass I, fish in key i areas. just yeah i just throw my bass tackle on them in in key locations um believe it or not i'm i'm landing all these muskies on a powell 725 crankbait rod it's it's what I throw my square bills on for target casting. Short range. It's got a good backbone, soft tip. It's graphite. It's a graphite crankbait rod. All, all of mine are really, um, and I love it. Um, so when I talked to Powell, um, they gave me a code, and it's and here here's what here's what it is. It's twenty percent off anything on their website, and the code is Uncle Frank, all capital letters, one word. There you go. Uncle Frank, all capital letters, one word, 20% off anything on their website, clothes, hats, rods, you know, whatever they have on the website. Um, and I know for a fact that they just got um, a couple shipments in, so they're they're plush with rods right now. Um, I think they're only missing a couple of actions and a couple of powers, but for the most part, they're plush. That's good stuff. If you want yeah. to keep up with Frankie Jr.'s uh, adventures, and see how he does today. You can go to the MLF website. Then under the uh, leagues, you just click on the BFL. And then on the right-hand side, it'll say Bass Fishing League. On the right-hand side, it says In Progress. Uh, and right. then you can click on it and see what the standings are. Uh, right. I always like following tournaments where you know people. You, you kind of yeah. know what they're doing. You know how important it is to them. You know how much work they've put into it. Uh, and then seeing the results of that. So I will definitely be uh, 
Be yeah. checking later today to see how Frankie it, Jr. does. Right, because you feel like you got some skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. What does yeah. he have to do to make tomorrow? 17 pounds for sure. No, what, at the top what make tomorrow? 12. Top 12. Okay. 12. Yeah, Cade Law- Laufenberger there, he's, he's pretty strong on that pool. Yeah, he needs – Frankie needs uh, – I'm going to guess based on 12th place, I'm going to guess he's going to need 17. It'll probably drop a couple pounds, so he might be able to get away with 15 or 16 and make it. Um, so we'll we'll see. And don't forget, too, 20% off bundles uh, on Lurenet.com. The bundles are the it's a money buy, guys. Good stuff today, Uncle Frank. Thank you for, for uh, taking time out. Of, yeah, I mean, I know how you like to start your weekend early sometimes. <laughs> Allegedly, that's how rumors start. <laughs> All right, we uh, stay tuned to the website. We'll figure out what's going on next week. I'll actually be at Rayburn next week uh, for the Bassmaster Open. But as we approach show 100, thank you. Uh, good hey, group gotta, of people who came online. I got to say one thing. Go Cleveland Guardians, which used to be the Cleveland Indians, which I wish they still were, but go Guardians. Playoffs. Yes. They got a little, little, little bit to overcome with the Yankees. Ah, they can do it. The Yankees don't have anyone who hits homers. Please, that's their only claim to fame, man. If if they're not hitting home runs, they're not scoring. <laughs> where at least with the Guardians, they get guys on base. They play baseball the way baseball is supposed to be played. You keep putting oh, guys on base. Nice shot at the Yankees there. All right, this is bid day four, number eighty nine, <laughs> with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys next week. Adios.